hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. My happiness plug for the week is going to be Black-owned business, Solasta Sense. Solasta Sense is a privately owned and operated luxury natural fragrance company based in Harlem, New York City. Their small team only utilizes superior quality ingredients in their products. They handcraft and pour luxury candles in small batches using natural coconut wax blend, wooden sticks, essential oils, and premium perfume oils. Um, their scents are inspired by favorite memories, songs, and everyday moods, and I'm gonna tell you right now, the candle is amazing. My friend Rose shouted out the business last week, and I purchased, and it, no joke, was shipped pretty much immediately, and I got it, and I burned it, and I feel great. I love the scent. Um, I got the queen, the one that's for a queen, and it's just awesome. So definitely check it out. Um, Support where you can, especially for Black-owned businesses or Black-owned small businesses right now. And yeah, so lots of sense. I'm going to put all of that in the description. Hope you enjoy it. This episode is dedicated to Tony McDade, a black transgender man who was killed recently. Um, Given the times, we should not stay silent. We should remember the names. It's very hard for me to hear that yet another transgender person has been killed. And it's hard to imagine that in this day and age, we still have to deal with not being accepted for who we are and who we are meant to be. As usual, I'll put any information you need to know about this in the description, Um, but this episode is for you, Tony. Thank you. My guests today are Brandon and Michaela from episode two of HBO's We're Here. Um, They have a really beautiful story and it was an absolute pleasure to get permission to interview them. Um, pretty big thing here, feeling very proud of this one. Um, so let's just hop into it. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. How's it going? Hello. Hi. Um, for my listeners, you are listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And my lovely guests, I have dual guests today is Michaela and Brandon Connolly. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Thank you. All right, so uh, I'm just going to like hop into it. Um, let's you know get get on with it. And what's your guys' elevator pitch? Who are you? What do you do? Um, Etc. All right, my name is Brandon Connolly. I'm 26 years old. I'm a transgender man, an amputee, multiracial, and I'm also an LGBTQ activist here in the state of Idaho. And I'm Michaela Connolly. I'm his wife. I'm a social work student and pansexual and excited to do this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Okay, so I'm just going to intro in how we all met. Um, The funny thing is we haven't met, but this is kind of, I've always wanted my podcast to uh, speak to people that inspire me. And I happened to see Michaela and Brandon on the second episode of HBO's We're Here, um, which is a 
Bob the Drag Queen, Eureka O'Hara, and Shangela, and they go to towns that have um, quite conservative views and opinions with very low LGBTQ presence, and they make over uh, three individuals each week. In this case, way more than that, because there was uh, five, right? six? I don't know. Six. <laughs> six. Um, but uh, they were on the episode and um, I just was really um, compelled by their story. It touched my heart and I reached out to them immediately after I watched the show and I can't say that I wasn't sobbing because I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, just to touch on we're here, we're, before we began recording, we were kind of talking about it and how um, you guys had been reached out, you'd reached out and then became part of the show. But have you felt like a really positive, um, a positive, has it been a really positive experience for you guys? I loved the whole experience, even though I originally didn't want to participate in it. I loved just everything and how surprisingly beautiful it was. Um, and how Shangela just did a beautiful job at portraying our love through art and having us be a part of that vision. And it was, it was just an amazing experience. Um, and even afterwards, I've just enjoyed how it's kind of brought the community of Twin Falls closer together. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I feel like uh, since the show, our LGBTQ community here in Twin Falls has been a lot closer we've been communicating more people have been wanting to do more activities and also just not even just within the lgbtq community but i've also seen more allies be motivated to help out and to um use their their privileges and their voices to um help with equal rights for the lgbtq community here in the state of idaho yeah. And would you guys mind kind of uh, going through your love story for my listeners who haven't seen We're Here? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so Michaela and I met when we were in high school. What happened was I was a senior and I was also the uh, drum corps major for our local drum corps. And I was assigned to go and talk to the middle schoolers, the incoming freshmen, about um, drum corps and what their roles would be, trying to get them excited about that. And, um, you know, when I first walked into the band room, I saw Michaela. She was almost pretty much right in front of me in the back of the room but I walked in and I saw her and I just immediately felt like I knew her even though I had never met her before and um it just I don't know it just kind of clicked from there I feel and we've known each other for uh nine years this this May um and we've just been friends for a really long time and it's been really organic. Like I couldn't tell you when our first date was because we've just spent almost all of our time together and it just transitioned really well into like, Oh yeah, I really like hanging out with you. Oh yeah. I think I really like you. Oh yeah. I love you. Let's get married. <laughs> <laughs> and then how long have you guys been married now? Three years this July. Oh, awesome. I I've almost been married three years in October. So, you know, congrats on that. <laughs> 
So um, let's just hop into it. So big reason why I, I reached out to Michaela um, is because I saw your story. I felt like it resonated with my podcast, which is about imposter syndrome, especially with dealing with sexuality, religion, faith, um, you know, gender identity. Uh, I really thought that your guys' story spoke volumes, but also like how you've had to overcome obstacles is really beautiful. So um, let's hop into the first question. Do you guys feel like you have it all figured out? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, the short answer to that is no. But um, the long answer is uh, I, I feel like I have this idea of, of, of a perfect beat. I'm, I'm constantly striving for perfection. And until I get there, whatever my idea of perfection is, um, I'm never good enough. But in reality, nobody is perfect. Um, and I'm a lot less harder on other people. But for myself, I, yeah, I'm just never uh, <laughs> achieving good enough. I I would have to agree. I don't I don't feel I don't feel like I've got it all together just yet and I have I have these goals that I have in mind like okay this is what I'm going this is what I'm going to be this is what I'm going to do this is when I'm going to achieve those and I've been doing that since I was young so for me to be the age that I am and where I'm at like my younger self would have been so heartbroken like oh I didn't achieve these goals but the older I get I also feel like the more um the easier I am on myself yeah that's great I, I can empathize and um, relate to what both of you have said uh for me you know I'm in, I'm in my 30s uh and I, I think I'm always like Michaela said a lot harder on myself than I am on uh others so I agree with you there um but as I've gotten older, um, similar to Brandon, I've kind of learned to soften on myself a little bit and not be so hard. Um, I, there's always this comparison of the grass is greener for other people. And I, I think like as humans, we compare ourselves to others. Um, but one thing to always, you know, keep in mind is that others highlight reel is showing and not their bloopers and outtakes. Um, so for me, it's something I've had to learn is that like, okay, like I got laid off at the start of COVID, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm a failure. Um, and in my relationship, sometimes I feel, um, sometimes I feel like I'm not good enough in a lot of ways because I'm so hard on myself, um, from like the money aspect. Cause for a lot of, um, my husband and I's relationship, I was freelancing and not making very much money. And then I had a full-time job and I was the fun income and we were saving a lot of money and we were able to do a lot more things. And then I got laid off and it was like a huge blow to my ego in a lot of ways. Um, and it made me feel kind of, I don't know, like emasculated, so to speak. So um, I've just been trying to take this time as, you know, when this releases, we will all still be in quarantine. Um, I've been trying to take this time to learn how to be better and better myself and be nicer to myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great goal. And that was, that was a really good metaphor with the outtakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe one of my guests had said that first, uh, and I've just kind of adopted it. Um, and I, I, I think it's so true is that like, I look like I've had to stop. I, I used to just sit there and like compare, Oh, this person has more Instagram followers than me. Oh, this person has more likes on Instagram. I'm like who cares? Like, what, what am I doing? Why am I worrying about the stupidest crap? You know? 
So, um, and I find that with uh, success and feeling like things are all figured out and uh, um, kind of imposter syndrome, like they kind of go hand in hand, like success and failure and um, where we're at in life, they all kind of sit, tend to be on this kind of bell curve of feeling, so to speak. So let's hop into the question at hand, which I'm sure will take up a majority of our conversation. But do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Oh, I apologize. So, um, I think that I, I think I do have those moments where I, I think to myself, like, I'm not as good or I don't do as much. Like I was telling Michaela earlier today, um, that I have had experiences where like I've called her up after a day of work and I tell her like I'm not I don't feel like I'm doing as much as like there are there are so many um transgender activists out there which is a really good thing um and there are some transgender activists that I feel are making a lot of headway into helping people understand like that transgender people are people <laughs> and that um, we do deserve the same rights as everybody else and that we do deserve to be treated with, um, with equality and, and respect. And, and as much as I try in my community to, um, to make that same change, there's some days that I'm just like, I'm not doing enough. There's, something um there's something missing like is it like why isn't this um why isn't this working as as well as I want it to but uh I don't know I just I think sometimes I get there and then and then I have to check myself because there are people in our community that have come up to me and that are like, yeah, you've made so much great change. Thank you so much. And I'm like, no, but it's not enough. <laughs> So, and I'm not the only one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not the only one that's made that change. And, and so sometimes I'm like, oh no, you know, so-and-so has done way more than I have. And, and, uh, but I appreciate, but I appreciate the, uh, well, the compliment. <laughs> that's really interesting that you say that. Uh, I think that accepting compliments is a really hard thing for a lot of people. Uh, and we tend to, um, as a society, or maybe it's just me, but I know I personally, someone will tell me a compliment and I'll immediately backpedal it and deflect it. I'll be like, like if someone like gives me a compliment for something I've done and achieved, I suddenly don't feel worthy of that compliment. And I like deflect it like, Oh, it wasn't me. It was a team effort or this person's done more for, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, like Brandon was saying. Um, but I will say that, um, I think that you know, you guys are doing so much for your community. Like I even asked you before this call, Hey, if you weren't in Idaho, where would you be? And you guys said, Idaho, like we want to, <laughs> we want to make a difference in Idaho. And that's so beautiful. And you're in a community that's small enough, but large enough in this, in the sense that you're going to be able to help shape shift and make such a difference. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And for me, an outsider in California, to, to look at what you've done and achieved and the steps that you're making, because I'm friends with Michaela on Facebook, so I see the things that you're doing. 
I think that you are making huge strides. You should be incredibly proud of them. And I think that your story being on, you know, being on HBO is going to help so many people and it's going to continue to help so many people because that's going to sit in their catalog. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, here's the part where we have to take that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Sorry, I just, I just those are the rules. <laughs> well, thank you. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Michaela, how about you uh, with imposter syndrome? So to me, imposter syndrome kind of in a nutshell is just feeling like somebody's going to find out that you're not as good as everybody thinks that you are. Um, so like almost that you're, you're faking that you are this amazing person or that you're faking that you're a good social worker, a good journalist, a good, you know, fill in the blank, a good wife. And that someday somebody's going to find out the real you and that they're, that you're not really as good as everybody thinks that you are. Um, and that's pretty much my entire life. <laughs> I can't think of moments in my life where I didn't feel that way, if I'm being totally transparent. Um, it's, it's kind of a constant battle, and it's kept me from doing a lot of things in my life. It's kept me from trying new, new things, really, like even like snowboarding or skiing or just little things. Drag. Um, drag, yeah. <laughs> But I am slowly trying to overcome that feeling of, you know, you're not good enough, so you can't, you know, even start to try these things because they're going to find out that you're not really good. That's like how I felt about performing for the whole drag show, about playing my violin. Even though I've taught music lessons for years, I was still like, oh, if I, if I play this, they're going to find out I'm not actually good. <laughs> um, but I, I'm kind of done with it controlling my life. So I'm starting to take small steps, including, you know, participating in We're Here and continuing my schooling with my master's degree and uh, running my own support groups for LGBTQ uh, adolescents, um, adolescents, adults, and the families for LGBTQ individuals, running my own support groups through my internship, um, and just kind of taking slow steady steps to really fulfill my dreams and goals regardless of my fears that is incredible and amazing and i'm proud of you for taking those steps to kind of own your power um that is something that i learned in my later 20s i think um is that um you kind of have to just do it. Like there's the only way out is through. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's easier said than done because even, you know, at 31, be before I started this podcast, I was like, oh man, like they're all going to, you know, they're all going to find out that like, I don't know what I'm talking about or someone's going to rate me a one or a two or whatever. <laughs> and I just kind of had to go for it. I just had to pull the trigger on it. Um, and and I think, I think like, like similar to what you said, where I felt held back by a lot of things. I didn't go for that promotion because I thought I wouldn't get it. Or I didn't ask for that raise because I didn't feel like I deserved it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's easy as, you know, women to kind of sometimes backpedal, um, backpedal the, the, our needs and our wants at times. But I will say, if you want to learn how to snowboard or ski, go for it. <laughs> like truly go for it because it's, it's, a, it's a life skill. It's not hard to pick up. And even if you suck, you're still better than the person that doesn't do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I think, um, I think that's really amazing that you're also finding a way to merge your work and your schooling into your advocacy. Um, for me, it took quite a while. I always wanted to sit on a board of directors for something. It took me a while to figure out what that would be. Um, and so sitting on a board of directors that's helped support the LGBT Center in San Diego with homeless youth, um, it took me a long time to find that right fit. Um, and now that I am helping with that, I'm seeing a difference that I'm making. And I know it's because of the community I'm in and the board of directors I sit on. We all have a hand in that, but it's nice to know that I kind of helped, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, sure. yeah. Awesome. So I think like, you know, in talking about imposter syndrome, I, I hear a lot of the same things that you guys are both saying, but it sounds like through this experience on being on We're Here and having more visibility, it's kind of helped you guys uh, uh, have a more understanding community, which is great, which might help with those feelings of feeling found out to be fraudulent. <laughs> yes, I think you worded it better than I could have. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, as I kind of mentioned, imposter syndrome, it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, success and failure and all that's really deeply ingrained. So we'll move on to, um, I think you guys kind of touched on it earlier, but we'll move on to the feeling of success. Um, so what does success look like to you and do you feel successful? So as I, as I was kind of saying before, success to me is perfection, which is really an, an unrealistic goal. It's being, you know, perfectly skinny and fit and always eating perfectly healthy and having perfect hair. And I don't know, like what we see on Instagram of models, mm -hmm. right? Um, and also to always have like an outward mindset, never be thinking of myself and uh, which also isn't realistic or healthy. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, a, I feel like I have two sides to myself that are constantly arguing about, you know, this would be the best course, which is this pretty much ideal Mormon life of having a, mm -hmm. you know, being a perfect mom and having kids and being a stay at home mom and cooking the best meals. And I hate cooking. And so, and then the other part of me is like, no, the best you and the true success would be just being yourself and accepting yourself and so um i joke that it's the child me and the social work me that are arguing with, <laughs> with each other but um so that's success is uh is conflicting for me right now and what yeah. that looks like. interesting that's interesting um it's interesting that you referred to your referred to it as a child self kind of when you were in your religion and then you know your 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 social work self that tells you a different thing. Um, I heard a lot of really positives in your success and what you call success for yourself. Um, and, but I think, um, you know, just to relate it to, to me in a bit, I, for me, success, I think, I think my definition of success changes every, every day, every week, every year. Um, but I think where I feel the most success in my life is in my marriage. Um, and, um, having a loving supportive partner that thinks the sun shines out your butt is, is pretty <laughs> helpful in that. And so, um, where I see success with you guys is you guys figured out what you want to do in life. You figured out what your calling is and you're working on that and you're making these waves and strides in Idaho. And I think that that is really awesome and you should be very proud of it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I can you. relate to that as well. I, I feel that I've been really lucky to have met Brandon at such a young age and to have us both grow and mature together. And I both as a unit and individually in that mm -hmm. we have encouraged each other to 
continually strive to be our best selves and what we individually feel as our best selves. Um, and so I've been really blessed to have that kind of relationship and that has been successful. And I don't know how I would be able to <laughs> manage throughout my life without having a partner that was so supportive of me and continually encouraging my growth. Yeah, I love that. In a lot of ways, I feel like when I met my partner, my life stopped being black and white and it became technicolor. Yeah. And and <laughs> and it's nice. It's nice. It's nice when I meet other people who have met their complete soulmate, significant other that is just such a supportive, healthy, loving relationship. So I guess I'll turn the question over to you, Brandon. Um, so what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? What does success look like to me? I guess it evolves a lot. <laughs> it's evolved since it's been evolving since I was young. When I was younger, I thought success was making the same decisions and kind of following the roadmap that my family had created for me long before I, I really had the choice to make it myself. And so when I was younger, it was really hard for me to come out. I, I was 22 years old when I came out as transgender. And um, before then, I had known for a while, I think I was around 18 years old, where it really was creeping in. Like, oh man, there's, there's, something, there's something wrong. There's something just not right. And I had been ignoring it for most of my life. And it wasn't until I was about 18 years old that I was like, oh, I can't ignore this any longer. And so for me, success at that time was, well, I got to stay on this path. I got to be successful in being this person that everybody is expecting me to be. And then when I came out, although it was a very difficult coming out, um, I have found that success is being myself and finding passion in the things that I'm doing right now. I, I feel like I've been successful in, um, in helping, in helping others really what that, what that looks like or what that might be. Um, I think varies from person to person that I've met or that I've, uh, or that I've influenced, whether it be like in my community or from HBO. Um, but I think that I'm, I think that I'm on that road. Am I done? Is that still evolving? Um, those are still questions that I tell myself a lot. I don't think that I'm done. Um, I think that it's still evolving. And I think success is something that, uh, I have to look at every once in a while, but what I do feel that I'm successful in is having a good relationship with my wife. And it hasn't, and it hasn't always been an easy relationship, especially because, and let me tell you, we do not endorse people getting to know each other really young. Like, <laughs> um, and like staying with that person, if that person's toxic, don't do it. So, but I think what's made our marriage successful is that, we have given each other room to grow by ourselves and that we have also 
pushed each other to kind of be on each other's level. I feel like we, we learn something new for ourselves and then we want our, and then we want each other to like have that same enlightenment and we, and we want each other to be successful in whatever that looks like to each other. I think I think too many people focus on this is what I want my spouse to be. Mm-hmm. And Michaela and I haven't really done that for each other as much as we've done that for ourselves. We focus a lot on who we want to be as people and then we come together in our relationship. I love that. I think that um, that's really powerful. And for my listeners, um, you know, uh, if you're single or you haven't met the person yet or anything, maybe take some wisdom and some advice um, from Michaela and Brandon. I think that that, that's really sound advice. Um, And in relationships, I think it's completely healthy. I agree with you to let, to let your partners have room to grow. For me, my husband, um, you know, we just had, I mean, even today, we just had a conversation where, my husband's in the military. I've kind of touched on this here and there in episodes, but my husband's in the military and we're coming up to, we're coming up to the point where we need to look at orders. Um, and he said, I, you know, we could stay in San Diego a couple more years with our house and all the things we want to do, but I want this billet because it's best for my career and me getting out of the military. And it did and to me, I didn't even bat an eye. I just thought, you know what, whatever he needs to do so that we can have a healthy and happy life when he gets out of the military, I'm going to do it. I love that. And, yeah. <laughs> and as a spouse, you know, like it, it's sometimes really difficult in a career um, because you have to start and stop your friendships and you have to start and stop your relationships a lot. And it's really hard with employers because you feel like you have to disclose that you are a spouse, which then makes you seem temporary. Um, so right now it's like, okay, like, okay, so I got laid off and I'm still in quarantine. I'm in quarantine for however long I'm going to be in quarantine. I'm looking for jobs, of course, but I've really thrown myself into my podcast and my husband's been 100% supportive about that. You know, do I think this will be blow up? I don't know, but I, 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 similar to you, Brandon, I feel like I'm making a difference in the conversations I'm having. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I love you guys' views on success. And I guess my advice for you guys would be, you know, um, perfection is never what we should strive for, but being happy and loving ourselves should always be our number one. Amen. I think that it kind of gets a little hard, especially like the word perfection, Mm -hmm. although it's not, it's not commonly used as that word. It's used as other things, but I think the way that Michaela and I grew up in the LDS church, perfection is kind of the underlying goal Mm -hmm. that we have. And so... And, and it's really difficult because there's no such thing as perfection, but that is what we strive for in that religion. And so I think when Michaela and I left that religion and we realized that that wasn't really what we wanted to do with our lives, it was, it was a roller coaster of fighting off what we grew up with mm. and, and realizing that there's no like I think especially um now like we still have to remind ourselves like there's no such thing as perfection there's no such thing as perfection and we have to we have to still fight uh, ourselves on 
on what success looks like because success growing up for us does not look the same as as what we want for ourselves now because that underlying fundamentalist thought that we are taught um isn't there anymore it's gonna take time yeah. <laughs> even though we left we left the church uh, culture is hard to drop <laughs> and so especially when we're surrounded by that culture still mm-hmm. um but i think we're in the process of of getting there <laughs> yeah so. that's so interesting i mean i i i i that makes a lot more sense now um and i think you know how i can relate to that is that like i had um you know parents that were like your entire goal in life is to go to college get a degree get out get find a husband get married and be on mm-hmm. your own and start your own family yeah. and so so um i did that but my path was like weird and wiggly and windy and <laughs> And, you know, I, I mean, I didn't even really even want to go to college, but my parents made me. And I, 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 um, I just recently um, got diagnosed with adult ADHD um, because my parents did not believe in medication. Uh, as a child, I was told I was disruptive. In college, they were told me that I needed to get on medication. I didn't. Um, and so I'm, I'm now navigating this thing um, and realizing, like, holy cow, <laughs> had I been on this medication as a child, I would have been so much better in school. Perfection, according to my parents, would have been easier to achieve and I wouldn't have been fighting them as much. And it would, it would have saved me so much depression and strife and it, would, it wouldn't have cost me so many relationships. But at the same time, my story is my story. So I have to go on the journey just like everyone else does. And I wouldn't change any part of my story as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I also have ADHD and sometimes it's really hard to fight. Yes. <laughs> Which is like crazy for me because I didn't re- so my husband has it. And then I had a podcast guest. It's actually interesting because it's, uh, this is my podcast guest made me realize I had it. She was like, I can't even do just the most basic task. I can't just finish it. I, I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And she's like, it's simple. I could literally just do it, but I can't bring myself to do it. She's like, weeks will go by. Um, And I realized that's me. (laughs) I was like, so I did some research. My husband had me sit down. He gave me the test that he took. And he was like, you scored a 50. I was like, well, was that good? Is that bad? He's like, 34 is high. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. So I uh, finally found a doctor. I found a therapist and I, I took the steps and I, have to say that like it is it is such a relief to finally be getting the help that I need and understand myself in a different way. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting how a lot of things like a lot of times religion or our parents or our upbringing really deeply hooks us, mm-hmm. and it's so hard for us to sometimes as humans realize that like that doesn't matter. Like our story is our own. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. That's an exciting healing journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'll talk about it more as we go, as we go. My first, my first therapy appointment is Thursday, but by the time this comes out, I'll probably have had a few. So, um, okay. So I think we've touched on the antithesis of the podcast, and now we get to the, get to the part that uh, I find incredibly fun, incredibly insightful to my guests. 
um, which is things you're fanatical about and then unpopular opinions. Um, so we'll start with uh, uh, what is one or a few things you are fanatical about and why my example right now is that I'm just super, I mean, I'm just gonna use it again. I'm super fanatical about tiki drinks um, and South Pacific culture because uh, I just really like the cocktails. So I've been learning a lot of, well, my husband's been gone, but he's been back now for a month, um, almost a month. And when he was gone, I loved this, these drinks that he would make, but I couldn't figure out how to make them myself. So I just started doing research and, and now I'm pretty much reserving Tuesdays to be Tiki Tuesdays in our house. So yeah. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> so what about you guys? Um, I am super fanatical about The Legend of Zelda, uh, which is a video game. I have been a massive nerd about it since forever, <laughs> so really ever since uh, puberty for me. And I just, I love the universe and the um, timelines. It's very, uh, when you get into it, it's very complicated, but I, I just absolutely love that universe. And I loved the video game because I felt like I was saving so many people and saving this whole massive land of Hyrule when I couldn't even save myself when I was a kid. And I feel like a lot of the personality of Link, who is the main character in Zelda, um, had, I've integrated into myself as an adult to have courage to face my own personal battles and to tried to save myself and others um, and find meaning and purpose in my life. I have, instead of just using my video games to let out that energy, I now have integrated it into my adult life. Ah, I love that. That is so <laughs> awesome. And I, even when I read this, I, cause I, you guys sent me over the document and I read it and I just, that warmed my heart. And, um, you know, especially like in, in social work and all the stuff that you guys are kind of doing and, and being part of, I think it's pretty incredible that, you know, you get to use that and help like save, save, you know, those people. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, do you have anything that you feel like you're fanatical about? I was reading yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny that you mentioned the, the document that we sent over because I don't even remember what I wrote down. But I've thought about it a lot since then. And um, there are very few things that I feel like I am really fanatic about. Like, like we both kind of mentioned, like um, having ADHD, we don't really to something for very long at least that's how it's been in my life I get really um I get really excited about something and I'm just like yeah a new project and then if something happens that becomes very inconvenient and then I'm like oh never mind new project <laughs> so there's like very few things that I'm really fanatical about but the thing that I feel like I have stuck with the longest and that really, I've noticed I really have a passion for is, um, is advocacy, really. Yeah. I, I really, I'm, I, it really warms my heart to, um, to do advocacy work. And anytime that I can talk about like LGBTQ issues, like trans rights, things, things along those lines, anytime that I can um, set up or help with 
a project that somebody else is doing, I am always, I'm always super passionate about those kinds of projects. Um, my last really big project was that I, I created and hosted the Twin Falls first ever Transgender Day of Remembrance panel. I love that. And yeah, and I had um, some transgender people that I knew come and speak about their own experiences as transgender people and then also had them talk on like how this impacts them in the community and what the community can do to um to make that better for transgender people to like be integrated into our community in that way and it was what I've heard, it was really powerful for a lot of people and it was really uplifting and enlightening for a lot of people to be able to connect a face and a person to the struggles that we've been having as transgender individuals in our current climate um, and to be able to connect with them on a, on a human level. So that was like the biggest project that I've done and, and I do plan on doing it again, hopefully if COVID um, will allow me to. <laughs> but uh, I think the other thing that I'm really fanatical about is history. Uh, I am a major history nerd. I love um, US history. I love world history. I am really good with like names and dates. Um, and I think part of that is part of that is because of my upbringing. I was raised by my stepdad, and um, being multiracial, I feel like I've been connected to. Um, I feel like I've been connected to a family and a race that I don't. I guess here, I guess I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. I, I always wanted to be part of this family because this is the family that raised me. Mm -hmm. And I've always been fascinated by like their family history and, and that culture. I, and I don't, and because of that, I kind of do feel like the only way that I, that I can learn about who I am as a person is through my lineage. And unfortunately, because of cultural reasons and because of colonization, there's only so far back that I can go as, as an African-American man and also as a Latino man. Uh, there's, I can only go so far before um, everything gets blurred or I have no trail at all to go to. So I lean back on history a lot to to kind of feel connected with um, with my ancestors and with my past and, and who I am as a person. That is beautiful. And I will say that you would probably be the ultimate person to have on a bar trivia team. <laughs> oh, he is. He is. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want you on my team from now on because you can do history. But I think that's beautiful. And, and like, I think it's like really important that as people like in general we we should know where we come from um and i think that like you know picking up the book when your lines got blurred is just such a powerful like you know thing like and and also you know history i think 
I think it's interesting. I think for me, I, I mean, not, not to go back to the ADHD, but really, I, I was never that into history, but what I was into was art history, because art history tells history in a better way for me. So you can really see, like, the religion of the time, the uh, wars of the time, the um, cultural societies of the time, all through art, um, especially, like, you know, BC, Craig, you know, BC art. And uh, it's really interesting, kind of, um, if you, like, ever are interested in art history I have like this incredible textbook that I'll never get rid of that I occasionally will flip open and read um, but it goes through all of the art and you can kind of see like over the years like the depictions of like the deities and how they change and well we started doing architecture one way now we're doing it another way and here's why and it just it's just, I don't know I, I geek out and nerd over that like um yeah. Like in, I studied abroad in Greece, and I can tell you, okay, well that that pillar is from this time frame because of this, and then I realize I'm a big nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I really, cool. I I don't know, I really find if uh, architecture fascinating from different um, from different periods in history, and and uh, I think it's mostly like architecture, um, the rise and falls of civilizations religion i think is a really big one for me um just to see how just to see how like religion has influenced different different cultures and civilizations and and uh also music history i think is a really big one for me as well i really like looking at the um evolution of music throughout human history so yeah that's awesome i love that okay guys this is like the usually the polarizing part of the show but <laughs> what is one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why i always give the example that i think cantaloupe is absolute trash um <laughs> let's start uh with uh brandon yeah um good question like i said i don't actually remember <laughs> uh, yours was about holidays oh that is correct thank you so much yeah I am not a big holiday person um growing up I think I'm not saying that like my family didn't ever celebrate holidays but it wasn't so much of revolving around the holiday as much as it was emphasizing that we're getting together as a family so when when I think of holidays, I think more of like, oh, yay, like, it's another family event. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so marrying somebody like Michaela, who, whose family is like really involved, like, you have to wear green on St. Patrick's Day. And <laughs> we have to do this on Christmas and Thanksgiving. And you have to dress up on Halloween. Otherwise, it's not going to be any fun. Like, those kinds of things have been such a huge shift in my mind because I never really grew up that way. I always just kind of grew up with like, oh yeah, this is another reason for my family to get together and to just be family. Um, especially since my mom and my birthday fall on uh, Mexican holidays. Oh, okay. So yeah. So for us, it was never really like from the get-go it was never really about the holiday it was more like oh yeah we're coming together just like celebrate Anna's birthday we're coming together to celebrate Brandon's birthday and it just kind of stuck that way like Christmas Halloween Thanksgiving 
those aren't holidays for me. Those are just family events. So I'm not really much of a holiday person. (laughs) That is super interesting, but you know what? I can completely relate to you because, um, as a kid, my parents went all out for holidays, right? Like they, we had Thanksgiving, we would, they used to have people over. We used to have like a new year's party. There used to be Christmas parties, all of that. Then high school happened (laughs) and my parents, my sister went off to college. My parents were like, we're just not going to do holidays anymore because we don't care. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I really liked decorating the Christmas tree, but I guess cool. Oh, fuck me, I guess, you know? <laughs> and um, so I, my, and my parents told me, they were like, you, you, we just want you to like find your person and have your own holiday traditions. And so um, I, ha- I may had to make my own. So I, you know, Thanksgiving for my husband and I is a Friendsgiving. It's where, uh, yeah. And it's my favorite holiday for sure. Cause it's, I, I think Thanksgiving is the most humble grateful religion or not like taking out, excuse me, taking out like the whole horrible, you know, colonization of America aspect and mm-hmm. Hallmark aspect. I think it's a time to celebrate with your friends and your family. Um, and, but for me, family is my friends. So we always do a thing. We always do a Friendsgiving. And then for Christmas, because half the time we don't go because parents live two hours from us, but I don't know. We, we spent Christmas Eve with them this last year, but, um, Christmas day, we didn't spend with them. Uh, we, we do an orphan Christmas, which is where we invite people that can't go home to see their families mm-hmm. and we play games, we drink wine, we play uh, cards against humanity and we eat like, you know, loaded baked potato dip and just talk about whatever. And because my husband's in the military, it's typically people that couldn't go home on his ship. That is so cool. I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing your own little community events and, and bringing people together too. <laughs> yeah. I love hosting. So, and I love cooking. Like if you guys ever come and visit me, it's like, you're going to be fed very well. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> so what's yours, Michaela? Uh, I'm going to make a lot of enemies because I have a That's lot okay. of popular opinions. <laughs> um, but I guess the biggest one is that I don't like pop culture. Like I really don't care <laughs> about celebrities' lives. Uh, in fact, for HBO for the pre-show, they were talking, they were listing all the celebrities that were going to be a part of it, and I was like, I don't know any of those people. Um, <laughs> I'm also not a huge movie watcher. Um, Same. I, yeah, I'm pretty picky about mm-hmm. movies. I like and yeah, <laughs> um, and one that. I guess an unpopular opinion that upsets, you know, a lot of people is that I prefer the prequels to Star Wars than the original. I just like the storylines better. Um, but yeah, I, those are the only unpopular opinions I can think of right now, but I have part of you. <laughs> oh, I, I have, I have them for days. Um, I, I can kind of agree with you on the Star Wars thing just because I, don't understand Star Wars. I'm a huge Disney fan, a huge Disney nerd, and I love Galaxy's Edge, but like, I will tell you, I just don't get it. <laughs> um, it's, it's, different when, it's different when you're riding a ride and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then you get off, you're like, okay, like you go about your day. But for me, my, my husband's super into it. So I'm therefore supportive and go to the movies with him and <laughs> do all the things with him, but I don't get it. So I agree with you there. And then I'm not a huge movie person either. I think it might have to do with the fact that I don't have a long attention span and I can't just sit there for two hours. Or if you like pay all this money and you go and see a movie and then you don't like it within the first five minutes, then I like on principle have to stay 
Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. I never thought about it like that. <laughs> so family, and yeah. Yeah, my family are huge movie watchers. So then whenever we go over and hang out with, with my family, Michaela's just like sitting on the couch, looking at her phone and <laughs> trying to find something to do. So it's really yeah. funny to watch. Yeah. And then similar to that movie thing, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. So like I've been married to a person in the military, a person in the Navy, no less, for almost three years. And I have not watched Top Gun start to finish and you will never, ever see me do it. I haven't either, so you're good. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, we're, we're, we're in the camp of that. Um, I, like, I, I know about, like, I've seen it in bits and pieces when it's been on TV, but I, I've never fully sat down to watch the whole thing. And um, I think it's just like, at this point, a running joke between my husband and I. <laughs> it also doesn't matter anyway because he's not even like my husband's not a pilot my husband's a nerd he has computer shit so like so like doesn't even affect him like one way or the other like and top gun was not why he joined the navy so i i don't yeah. see the point there <laughs> oh that is funny one of my favorite movies is pearl harbor so my husband actually that movie um the pink building the hospital where he uh -huh. used to work because he works in intelligence um, and uh, he used to work in that building and he doesn't believe in ghosts. But I will tell you that like I, we drove past it when we were in Hawaii on our honeymoon and he was like, oh, I used mm -hmm. to work here. I got the heebie-jeebies looking at it. Like there's I... still bullet holes in it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, imagine. And I'll just tell this story because I think it's interesting. So he had a sailor that was on watch and he was in the basement and all of the lights shattered at once. And this, it scared the crap out of the sailor and he made the sailor work the entire rest of the shift. And I said, Scott, like, why didn't you believe him? He's like, I don't believe in ghosts. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like I would have, my, my body would have left, like my soul would have left and I would be like on another planet right now. Like I, I would have been so, I'm, I don't know. I would have been so creeped out. Okay, no I, just looking at it, it's creepy. But I, I think that's a good movie. I have seen that one at least, and I have been to Pearl Harbor, so I can relate. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, it's a really good one. I like that one a lot. All right. So um, currently in the world, the state of the world is there's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of negative. Um, so, what is currently making you happy in the world and bringing you to joy? Honestly, I have really loved watching the episodes of We're Here. Um, I feel like they keep getting better. <laughs> and I just love, I just love the stories of the people that are involved in this. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have been a part of that project. Um, it just is kind of a light in the darkness right now. I mean, even before COVID with all the recent bills that were the anti-minority and really anti-trans bills that were getting passed in Idaho. Um, just we're here is just kind of a light in the darkness with the state of the world. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to agree with Michaela on that one. I, it's been so, it's been so nice to be able to watch each episode and, and see how, especially with queer people, um, how they can connect with any of our stories, really. And what's nice about that is that we're not alone in our experiences. And it's, it's been really cool to have people reach out 
and tell us like i've I've had a similar experience or your story really resonated with me because of these reasons. And Mm -hmm. also what's, what's been great too, is that people have um, come to, to us for, for further clarification and education, which I think is amazing that there are people out there that are wanting to know more and wanting Mm -hmm. to learn. And, um, and so, yeah, that's been, that's been a really good one. And especially since Michaela and I go over to my, my parents' house to go and watch each of the episodes. And so that, even just that act alone has brought me and my family closer mm-hmm. together. Um, and there has been some really hard conversations that I would have probably never thought I could have with my parents that we've actually had conversations about not because of just our episode but because of the other episodes that have come after us and and their stories and and how we can and how we resonate with those stories and they've brought up some really hard but good conversations um and I feel like there's a lot of people that watch the show that are having hard but good conversations about being queer in the United States, living in a small town, especially if, if you live in a conservative town, and and being able to have those conversations of like these are these are the experiences that we're going through. And all we want to do is just be accepted and loved and to be part of the community. So that has really been bringing me joy as well. And then also we've kind of taken this opportunity to go hiking as much as possible. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I really love Idaho and why I would probably never want to leave is because all of the really fun outdoor activities, it takes tops 30 minutes for us to be anywhere and enjoy water and some fresh air and some wildlife and um and be able to go exploring and that kind of stuff so even though we've been going through this pandemic Michaela and I like to kind of get lost in in nature so we're we've been really excited about doing doing those fun activities as well I love that Um, I'm going to touch on something that you Brandon said um where you said that you know I'm just going to where some people were reaching out to you kind of in a similar situation um, because of we're here, which I think is beautiful. But what I love about we're here is it's telling the story from the more conservative towns that don't have a huge presence. And that is so needed right now. Um, Because I've often, you know, wondered because I because I went to college in a pretty conservative town and then also I, you know, I lived and then I went and lived in Denver and they couldn't be more polar opposite um viewpoints yeah so it's bringing i think it's bringing a conversation and it's making people in these small towns who like maybe you know maybe there's not even a gay club there maybe there's not even an lgbt you know center maybe they're coming to terms with their own sexuality i think that we're here is really starting the conversation so i think that i agree with you that that is bringing me a lot of joy watching the episodes and seeing that and then you guys saying that you're having these really positive conversations and then these hard conversations with your family i mean if anything i'm your family's gonna, your family as well as you, you're going to come out more educated, but then also you, it'll prepare you to have the hard conversations when you're doing your advocacy as well. 
Yes, of course. And what I also, what I really like about we're here in terms of like the conversations that it's been starting is also, I really think that it's great to have we're here in conservative towns because I think too often LGBTQ people think to themselves, I'm the only person here. I am the only <coughs> I am the only person experiencing these problems. And as soon as they possibly can, they get out of town and right. they go to the biggest blue bubble that they can find. And, and then that, and then that's when they feel like they can be themselves and that they can be free. And a lot of that is because of safety, but I feel like a lot of that is because of that feeling of isolation and I'm the only one mm -hmm. and so I feel like we're here definitely brings a light to um to that side of of queer people living in conservative towns and that there are more people here uh that you can create community with and you don't have to leave and that's part of what I do for my advocacy work not just focusing on mental health but also trying to help create community so that we can continue to expose and educate um, more conservative leaning places that there are other people out there um, that also need to feel in community and that we can continue to live together, whether or not we agree with each other on X, Y, and Z issues. And I hope that one day we can feel safe. I adore that. And again, I mean, if I haven't said it enough, uh, what, what these two are doing in their town and even, you know, the rest of people that participated in the show, um, it's pretty beautiful. And I think like, you know, the more, the more people that, that are doing this, the more people that are being vocal and being loud, the better. The, that's the only way that policies will change. And I yeah. hope that we're here was the kick in the pants in this election for you guys. And I hope that you know you're able to see the positive change. We're hoping it comes sooner than later. <laughs> even if it doesn't happen on a majority level, even just having a handful of individuals open their minds to different experiences in life is it's already slowly changing you know the future yeah mm -hmm. yeah so we're coming to the end of this awesome conversation thank you guys both for taking the time to speak with me but before i uh you know we end things and say goodbye i always like to open the floor for anything that you'd be wanting to promote um so uh brandon michaela do you have anything that you'd like to promote uh, I guess, yeah, I guess the only thing that I'd really like to promote is just um, continuing to encourage people to, to watch We're Here on HBO. And also, um, I've been wanting to do more public speaking. If anybody out there is looking for somebody that uh, can speak on intersectional topics um, regarding race, uh, civil rights, LGBTQ topics, transgender topics. Um, yeah, please give me a call or my email is also w-o-u-g-h-l-f-h-e-a-r-t at gmail.com. 
go ahead and just send me an email and uh, let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, I include all of the information and the descriptions in, or, and the links in my description. So I will put your email in there as well so people can get in touch with you. And to anyone that's listening that wants to get in touch with Brandon, use the email. Um, from what I've known of Brandon and my conversation briefly with both him and Michaela, um, he's a very eloquent speaker and he would be awesome and he has a wealth of knowledge about all the topics that he um, could speak on. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Of course. Um, so uh, we've come to the end, sadly, sadly. But um, I've really appreciated you guys taking the time to be on this podcast. I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to get to know you and for my listeners to, to know your story. And I'm also really excited that this podcast, in some tiny ripple way, will help spread your guys' message in Twin Falls and in Idaho. Um, and I always say, if we can help one person that's listening, then we've done our job. So um, do you guys have any parting words? Thank you for this opportunity and having us be a part of your vision. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for um, inviting us to your podcast. And I hope that more people come to listen to it. I think that what you're doing is very important. Aw, thank you guys. Well, I guess we have to go and you guys have to have your life and I have to have mine. But Please keep in touch. And to all of my listeners, this was Please Don't Kick Me, Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. Uh, Michaela and Brandon, thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a great day. Thank, thank you. You too. Bye. Before all of this kind of went down and became a focus of Black Lives Matter, which is amazing, and I'm helping to fight that fight as an ally um, to bring change and equality. I was going to ask for donations in lieu of birthday wishes and presents and all of that for the board of directors I sit on that helps LGBTQIA plus homeless youth. However, given the movement, I've decided to choose something that gives back to my Black community. So I have chosen Loveland Foundation. Um, Loveland Foundation is committed to showing up for communities of color and unique and powerful ways with a particular focus on Black women and girls. Their resources and initiatives are collaborative and they prioritize opportunity, access, validation, and healing. They are becoming the ones that they've been waiting for. And basically, um, as a woman myself, I really believe in this foundation and what they're doing. And so as always, I'll put description links in there so that you may donate. Um, but I'm just going to ask that um, any of my friends that are listening, if you're thinking about getting me something for my birthday tomorrow, I'll be turning 31. First of all, don't need it. Second of all, just, just donate. Um, donate to the Loveland Foundation or any foundation that's helping the Black Lives Matter movement. Thank you guys so much for listening to my episode. As always, I appreciate the support. Thank you for listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a little rating. And if you're interested in becoming a guest, please reach out to me by using one of the links to the podcast social media in the description. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.